John Chambers grew up in West Virginia, it was a very different looking state. The Kanawha Valley was the Silicon Valley of chemical plants, and there were over 100,000 coal miners employed in the mountain state alone. Of course, we know those industries aren't quite the same today. And that's why Chambers is on a mission to bring West Virginia back. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to have to embrace diversity, inclusion, disruption, technology, and be a forward-thinking, future-oriented state if we want to succeed. And in this episode, he even shares a funny story about Sir Richard Branson. And really, that's just one of the several people he casually name-drops in this interview, from world leaders to other well-known people across the world. It almost got to the point where it felt normal for Cooper and I talking about these people. This is an episode that everybody can learn from. And while John is a billionaire venture capitalist, in this episode, you'll see why he's had success. is because he embraces community, culture, ethics, and cares about the development of the community and the people that make up the businesses that he's been a part of. So whether you're an expert on John's work or you barely know him, you'll have several takeaways about West Virginia and his journey in this episode that we think will be extremely valuable to your life. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast with John Chambers, sponsored by Mr. B. The sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Hey everybody, thanks for joining another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Our special guest today, John Chambers. Mr. Chambers, thank you for taking some time with us today. And and okay, this is kind of where we want to start. You are well known across the world, uh, world leaders here, you know, domestically as well. Do you ever, when you, when people ask you where you're from, do you ever get any interesting responses or funny reactions when you're like, oh, I'm from a little state called West Virginia? Do you, do you, any Anything quite like that where they're like, uh, where? Well, actually, it's almost the reverse of that, uh, CJ, and it'll be fun with you and Cooper today going through it. Uh, West Virginia has a fond spot in many people's minds and hearts, not just here in our own nation, but around the world. And uh, so when I say I'm from West Virginia, you know, in the prior generation thought about Jerry West or, mm -hmm. or people mm -hmm. like that. Uh, on it, but I think our state's very much recognized as uh, a state that people are proud to be from and are very humble, but a, a state that uh, is basically very, very good people. I uh, mentioned one time uh, to uh, describing it to the Dean of Indiana University's Business School doing a podcast like this. And I said to the Dean, uh, if I were to ever run off the road during the middle of the evening, uh, anywhere in our country, and I'd have to go up and knock on a, a door and ask for help. I'd want to be in West Virginia. That's right. The probability that people would help. Yeah. And she laughed and I said, well, tell me. She said, I was driving through West Virginia. My car broke down in Huntington <laughs> at the edge of the city at 530 on Friday evening. No one anywhere else would have just gone home. A person was just closing their garage. They came out, helped me get the car, brought it to the garage, repaired it, and got me on the road that evening. And it is that fondness and kindness that people think about our state. But the exciting part is then when I talk about we're starting to learn how to dream again mm -hmm. and reminding people that we were the chemical center of the world when I was growing up, 6,000 of the top chemical engineers in the world in Charleston, West Virginia. We were the Silicon Valley of that industry mm -hmm. and 125,000 miners that were well paid. And we're trying to make the state a startup state again. And whenever I've asked anybody, guys, Every time, it doesn't matter if it was the president of Stanford University, it doesn't matter if it was a venture capital, the president of the National Venture Capital Association, or my friends over in India or France to help us with Station F in Paris, or to help us with the IIT learnings in India, everyone said yes. So our state has a very good image for a combination of reasons. I think sometimes we're too tough on ourselves. And I think that humbleness uh, uh, plays well for us in terms of uh, our future. But we've got to have the ability to dream also. 
No, most certainly. And and John, you, you know, you went on to WU, but you grew up in Charleston because CJ and I are actually both from Charleston, West Virginia. Um, I grew up in the, the George Washington or, or Charleston High. So <laughs> we went to Capitol High School, which yep. was formerly Charleston High. Uh, and, both in Stonewall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Stonewall Jackson was our middle school. And then we went to Capitol High, played soccer at Stonewall. So what was your, you know, looking back at Charleston, what fond memories do you have growing up there? Because you were born, I believe, in Ohio, right? And then moved into, into Charleston at a very young age. Yes, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. My parents are both West Virginians. They were in Case Western uh, Reserve Med School there. I might have been a surprise because usually <laughs> you have a kid during the middle of med school. <clears throat> but mom and dad, <clears throat> excuse me, mom and dad were just great. And, and they uh, built in the basic West Virginia values from, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandparents were in Ravenswood, West Virginia, a small town near Parkersburg. Yep. Uh, and I got spoiled rotten while the parents were in med school and, and beyond. Uh, and the memories were all good. Uh, it was a, a fun environment, the fishing and the hunting, uh, fast water canoeing in Elk River and New River. Uh, we, we had a tiger by the tail. You know, there were so many jobs in Charleston and the state. Uh, we had more millionaires in West Virginia than there were in all the United Kingdom and Britain. Uh, on oh, it. Wow. And uh, so I saw what our state can do. Mm-hmm. And so my memories are all great, uh, great people. I went to college for nine and a half years to Duke, West Virginia, and Indiana, and West Virginia University, as well as Marshall, can compete with any any university uh, in the nation. And and so uh, uh, all positive feelings about the state, and and still positive today. Still trying to make a difference, and still believe our best days are ahead of us if we execute right and have the courage to change. I think what's so interesting too, you you just talked about how big Charleston was. I mean, DuPont and, and the Chemical Valley, certainly, and, and how large it was. Talk about a fall from grace. I mean, West Virginia has certainly come a, a long way in terms of the number of jobs. Is it because West Virginia didn't necessarily change with the times? And, and how is it so that we can get back there? And how are you kind of helping get back to that point? So four different questions, if I can take them in the sequence that you, you raised them. Every company, every state falls from grace. And uh, one of the huge things I do is I coach my 20 startups and as I teach uh, uh, across the uh, world on startups and technology. And remember I had the unique opportunity to grow Cisco from 70 million in sales to 48 billion, 400 people to 75,000 people. Uh, I've seen the movie. Uh, Boston 128 was the Silicon Valley of the world. I was with Wang Laboratories and DEC and Data General, and literally a million jobs disappeared up there because they didn't change. And Boston lost the leadership because they failed to disrupt. Silicon Valley is disrupting, but California is now in trouble. Texas is overtaking them rapidly because Texas is disrupting California. So it isn't a question of will we fall? Will we trip? Will we get knocked on our tail? Every company, every leader does. What determines your future is how you handle those challenges and do you get back up? I'm dyslexic. Uh, in, uh, in grade school, before dyslexia was really understood, they realized I had a learning disability and my teachers, even though I was so fortunate to have two doctors as parents and they'd read to me every evening, help me read, they were just teaching the wrong golf swing. Uh, <laughs> dyslexic, we read backwards. And Mrs. Anderson helped me uh, achieve that in several years of tutoring after school. And I took a weakness and then made it a strength. But that getting knocked down on my backside, having kids laugh at me in grade school because I, I had trouble reading, mm-hmm. caused me never to laugh at somebody else. And to reach out and help others, uh, much like people helped me in terms of the direction. So I think when you get knocked down, uh, it's easy to say you got to have the courage to get back up. Well, to get back up and get knocked down again, stupid. You got to understand why you got <laughs> knocked down, <laughs> and and don't don't expose yourself the same way twice. But you have to get back up and have the courage to change. So every time uh, people fall from grace, it's usually a combination of external factors and internal misexecution, and you got to deal with both. That's why I like where we're going with West Virginia with a clean slate. Let's mm-hmm. skip a generation. Let's, uh, the startup world will be the whole future for this nation and for the rest of the world. The large companies uh, of today in the US, Europe, uh, Asia, 
will not get any bigger. They're gonna be focused on productivity, artificial intelligence, et cetera. And they're focused on profits and they're focused on productivity. And so in total, they were not a headcount, including the large high tech companies in total. Doesn't mean that an Amazon won't grow a headcount or a Google, but in total, the group will not. So your job creation will be startups to become bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so focused on those now. I bought 180 companies when I was at Cisco. Uh, most people would say we had the best acquisition industry in the industry, uh, best acquisition machine in the industry. And, and we took those companies and grew them from zero revenue and switching to 13 billion a wow. year revenue. And we did the same thing in wireless and we did the same thing in this technology. We actually invented the video capabilities as a result of the 2006 bird flu epidemic in Mexico, where I was with the president of Mexico, and we couldn't even meet that evening because the bird flu broke out in southern Mexico, and we thought it was much more deadly and much more contagious than it ended up being, but we realized the the importance of being able to do things virtually, and we invented telepresence the next year and launched it with President Bush, and and at that time, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger at Cisco on innovation. So I'm a huge believer in dreaming, uh, and so when you have the setbacks, you've got to have the courage to dream. Shimon Perez, the late president of Israel, used to tease me all the time. He said, John, you get criticized for dreaming too big and, and spreading yourself <laughs> and taking risks. I would challenge you the reverse way. You've got to think like a teenager always. You need to spread yourself thinner. And you've got to realize as you do that, you're going to have a couple setbacks. That's part of life. Mm-hmm, Will right. we in West Virginia get knocked down a couple more times with our startup state? Absolutely. Will the Virgin Hyperloop definitely be successful? I think it has a very high probability, but it has some risk. And you've got to have the courage to take risk. Will West Virginia University and Marshall redoing their curriculum and focusing on entrepreneurship, does it have risk? Of course. Will they get criticized? Of course. Uh, Mm -hmm. And making it startups. And will some of us give money back to the, the state and do the startups for charity? And others I want to make money off of because I want to attract new venture capital in? Yes. Will the majority of startups fail? They always do. Uh, and you <laughs> right. have a culture that when they miss, uh, uh, that's just part of growth. I uh, was just on the uh, video session with one of my startups out of the East Coast, and he, he's on his sixth startup. Uh, and uh, I bought two of them at Cisco. Uh, has he failed before? Yes, he has. Uh, but the current one he's on might be the most successful of all. Uh, solar winds uh, tax that went across the whole nation with such terrible, terrible uh, mm-hmm. economic and uh, uh, patent uh, theft uh, results. So that's part of where our state is. Do I believe in the state's future? Absolutely. And for the first time I've seen it in the nation, the first time in the nation, there is a combined view from the government leaders, from the business leaders, from the universities, and the people of a state saying, we can do this. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, Shelley Moore Capito or Joe Manchin and our US senators, Democrat and Republican, both of them believe we can do it. Doesn't matter if you're West Virginia or Marshall, both of them believe we can do it. Doesn't matter when I talk to the legislature, whether it's the Republicans who are in power or the Democrats, they believe we can do it together. The governor believes we can do it together. And we're learning how to dream as a state and so I'm very proud of what I've done. And it's an honor to, to come on your all show because it's important that young people, but also us seniors, uh, see that we can reinvent ourselves and we can compete with anybody in the world. And, and I don't mean this overconfident wise, but I have no fear of competing against anyone in the world or any country. I believe mm-hmm. that if we move fast with innovation and with capabilities, I've always built the number one operations in routing, switching, uh, Mm -hmm. internet, et cetera. And I intend to do it with the startups, but it's that inner core education and dream that becomes so very key. And our state is willing to do it at a scale that others united have not been able to do it. And we're small enough that we're nimble, but we're big enough. We can be a role model. And that's what I'd like to see for West Virginia to be the role model of what's possible. We did that with Virgin Hyperloop. Nobody thought we could do it. 17 states competed right. for this. We yeah. were number 18 out of 17. We were not even <laughs> on the list. And we weren't going away. And are we taking risks with it? Of course. But they had their pick of wherever they wanted to go. And they came to West Virginia. And uh, the same thing as we move forward. Uh, I think if we have the courage to dream and the courage to also fail, and that's what Silicon Valley does. I'm as much interested in teams that have failed as I am successful ones because they learn from those. They've learned something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, dreaming again. So I'm, I'm very bullish on our state. I do not underestimate the challenges we face. I like what the governor and the whole state did on the vaccinations. We sent an example for the rest of the, of the world on how to do it and kind of surprise people a little bit. And while the proposal on zero income tax is a little bit too aggressive to move there too quickly, <laughs> uh, it sent a message to everybody in the nation. If you want to work remotely, come to West Virginia where the regulations are yes. small and the taxes are small also. Yes. We've got to make sure we keep our revenue streams going as we transition over. But it sent a message. The state is thinking creatively. We have right. the courage to dream again. And while we probably can't do this in one swoop, to take it small steps at a time and send a message this is where you ought to work remotely in West Virginia, where you have access to the tourism issues, the outdoors, the fast water canoeing, the fishing, the hiking, the biking uh, that doesn't exist anywhere else in the nation. And 60% of the nation can get there. Why not live with in West Virginia? Right. Live in this environment and work in Chicago or work in New York City, yeah. or work in Pittsburgh or work in D.C., because most of it's going to be like we're doing it today, uh, yes. which is remote anyhow. And secondly, if Hyperloop really takes off, you could actually work in West Virginia and Zip over the- <laughs> for lunch. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so uh, it's kind of exciting in the future. Wow. But you got to dream and you got to realize that there will be uh, missteps along the way, some self-inflicted, some uh, beyond our control, but you've got to have both. Hey everyone, so far so good with John, and in the spirit of talking small business right now, we just launched our first small business shirt. We're going to have a couple of versions of this over the next couple of months, but right now, head over to mountaineermedia.org and you can get your first edition small business shirt. It's got several West Virginia businesses on the back that we're supporting. They support us. You can support them as well. Head over to mountaineermedia.org, snag one for yourself, and over the next month or so, we're going to be having a couple of giveaways, so check us out on your favorite social social media platform or on their Mountaineer Media. Find us, like us, and you might be able to snag one for free here in the next month or so. Thanks, guys. Back to the episode. Now, John, you brought up um, a lot of good points, um, but one of the the mindsets and, and almost like ways to think about it, too, is that West Virginia is not going to have one swooping change or industry that comes in and just fixes everything, right? We have to create a culture and a system that facilitates those like micro entrepreneur like cities and areas and regions to encourage that innovation. And like you said, like if you want to live in like a small town like Wardenville, West Virginia and create like they've had a lot of success. I studied it um, during my time at W uh, when I was getting an MBA, like we can create those little pockets of innovation in little small towns. It doesn't have to be this old one solution is going to come in and fix all of West Virginia's systemic problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think we very much can. Uh, I think it's important to realize that probably looking back 20 years from now, uh, if we were to do a rerun of this uh, podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, there will be two industries that really take off. Mm -hmm. And it's purely to say for sure, I hope that uh, one of them is the startup industry. I hope that one of them is a unique place to live and work remotely with tourism and you for the people who really love the outdoors, uh, et cetera, on it. Uh, and uh, one's probably going to be a wild card, but I don't know for sure. When I invest mm-hmm. in my 20 companies, the ones that I thought would be the best uh, three years ago, about half of them are, about half of them aren't. Right. Yeah. You've got to have the courage to let the market determine it and not predetermine what you do. But right. we've got to be careful. We spread ourselves too thin, then we won't achieve our goals. If we mm-hmm. try to do it the same way others have already tried, to think we're going to get a different result is, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Keep running the same place and expect a different result. Uh, right. You've got to have the courage to take some risk on it. And you've got to have the courage to fail and learn from those uh, as you go forward. Uh, we'll, and having the people willing to do it too. Like having the people willing to do it too, because you're, you're so involved with like the Chambers College or the Chambers College now, you know, <laughs> you know before in 2018, but having the people that are going to get that education and then say, you know what? How about me? How about I'm the person that does this, you know, newfound technology in the state? But I also never want to mislead people. There will be disruption in some right. of our, our, our towns and cities in the state. Sometimes it might be under their control, like what Huntington or Charleston does. And, you know, the Morgantown area clearly on fire in a positive way with momentum. Mm-hmm. But some of the remote, smaller cities may not be able to get the scale. Or there might be, they might have to focus on tourism or elements on it. And I think it's important always to be honest and transparent 
with our fellow West Virginians and fellow mm -hmm. Mountaineers about uh, what we have in front of us. It's a hard hand to play, but actually when you play a hard hand, people get it. If I were mm -hmm. to draw a parallel, Israel is the top startup nation in the world. Mm -hmm. Only six and a half million people. Mm -hmm. And when you do something like digitize Israel, then, and I did that with uh, Netanyahu, the prime minister and the late president, Shimon Peres of Israel. Everybody says, well, Israel just does that automatically. Think about it. A state, a country that's not much bigger than West Virginia times three uh, is the best in innovation. There's no reason we can't take the risk, but Israel is also willing to fail. Mm -hmm. And they take the yeah. risk part of their culture. And they always look at the pessimistic side. I tease them about it, but they always look at what things could go wrong. But when we did a digital country in France and with uh, President Macron of France, who's a very good friend, I'm his French high tech ambassador. <laughs> Can you imagine the U.S. having a German ambassador or a French ambassador for <laughs> high tech? You know, and it, it shows you how much they're thinking out of box. Right. They took the worst place in Europe to do business and the least innovative, which France was, even though they invented the word entrepreneur. Yeah. And their big companies were successful, but their startup engine was just terrible. And it was a terrible place to locate jobs. And in five years, they increased the number of venture capital-backed startups uh, by 500%. They became wow. the best. Given they'll continue it? Absolutely not. They've got to earn it. And you always have many forces working against change, uh, some consciously, sub subconsciously on it. But if France can be the startup nation in Europe, if Israel can be the startup nation in the world, tell me again, why not West Virginia if we have mm -hmm. the courage to change? We've yeah. always had more than our fair share of road scholars. Yep. Uh, we've always had more than our fair share of entrepreneurs, which I see all the way across the nation. Often that unfortunately had to go outside the state to really pursue their dreams and aspirations. Mm -hmm. why, not, why not do it ourselves? Hey friends, let's take a quick Mountaineer roasting coffee break here and just uh, take a little bit of a breather while we're running through this episode with John Chambers. Um, hopefully you're enjoying it. I mean, it's I mean we're through the moon that we're able to get John here um, on the podcast. You know, he's he's clearly someone who has a tremendous amount of influence over the direction of West Virginia um, simply because he cares. He's investing his time, money, and resources uh, into his beloved state because he wants to see it succeed. Um, so we're really, really appreciative, and I hope you're enjoying this interview. Um, but hey, look, Mountaineer Roasting Company is the sponsor of the podcast. You guys have seen the social media, um, little promotions that we've been doing. They're so generous that they're giving you, Mountaineer Media fans, a discount code to get their coffee. So Media 15 can be used to get 15% off Mountaineer Roasting Coffee. Where do you go to get that, Cooper? Well, you go to mountaineerroasting.com. And if you go on our link tree, that little thing that we throw around that has all the links to our websites, you can go directly from there and jump onto the website, or you could simply remember this. Um, you can jot it down. I don't know who the heck you know writes things down anymore. You can type it into your browser, mountaineerroasting.com. Use code MEDIA15 and get 15% off their delicious coffee, and it will ship right to your house. Um, so we thank them. Um, really appreciative of this collaboration. They are a great West Virginia small business and they carry the, uh, you know, very similar ethics and morals that we do. And they care deeply about West Virginia. So check them out. Thank you so much to Mountaineer Roasting Company. And they also have cool, cool um, mugs and shirts and all kinds of stuff. So shop on there, mountaineerroasting.com. And uh, let's get right back to the episode right now with John Chambers. You are so clear-minded about the future of not just the country, but West Virginia in particular. And it really is enlightening to know that you were using all of the skills that you've learned to really help West Virginia currently grow. And, you know, like we've said, trying and, and getting so many industries, very, multiple industries in here and kind of seeing what sticks. One that you, you have mentioned you hope kind of sticks and one that we certainly are like very interested in is the Virgin Hyperloop. Talk a little bit more about how did that come about? How did you get that here? And, and Cooper and I have been talking about this, maybe your relationship with Sir Richard Branson and, and how all of that kind of came about. Well, uh, it, it, I think the most important thing is we learned how to dream as a state. And it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think a huge amount of the credit candidly goes to West Virginia University, the ability to dream. But Marshall mm -hmm. very much played a role in it as well. A huge amount of the credit goes to the legislature.
legislature and to the governor, Governor Justice, and to the uh, Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate. Uh, it goes to uh, Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Shelley Moore Capito uh, for helping in Washington. And it goes to the state and the business leaders coming with one single vision, including the people that own the property where this is going to land and a vision of not just put the center there, but maybe put a whole new development there that allows you to work remotely in West Virginia and the outdoors and be in Washington, D.C. or Pittsburgh or uh, Chicago or uh, Ohio, uh, if you need to be fairly quickly. And then it took the courage to take what are our natural assets and put them together, whether it's our mining expertise, our uh, road construction, because of the healiness of our, our, our state, you had to be really good on construction and, right. and metallurgy. And uh, the prior mining industry created a lot of rare metals that we have access to on it. And then you had to be hungry. Uh, you know, in the states who should have won this, like California, uh, they, they were overconfident. Uh, mm -hmm. They kind of had an entitlement attitude that, you know, you don't understand, you should just want to do business here. And of course, people go where they're wanted. But mm -hmm. it was also uh, players like Sarah Billing, who uh, did an amazing job of kind of coordinating all of our groups and helping them dream. Uh, President Gordon Gee, who just did amazing. Uh, uh, Javier, uh, the the dean of the business school, who's the mm -hmm. startup VP across the, the whole uh, university at West Virginia as well. And then outside interest who waited in, a Brad Smith from Intuit, uh, Ray Lane, who we all know, myself and others. And did it help that I knew Richard Branson? Of course. And, <laughs> and we worked on it before. In fact, I designed my office in Palo Alto after his office uh, in the UK with a huge desk in the middle of the living room that I thought originally was not practical at all. And I, at the end of the meeting with him, I said, I got to have me one of these. Uh, on the, and the trust, because a leader's currency or a state's currency is very simple. It's your track record, it's your relationships, and it's your trust mm -hmm. and a willingness to take risk on it. But also the fact that Bertrand Hyperloop was looking at deals in Saudi Arabia, where I'm very close to the leadership there in the Middle East and, and the uh, countries there. Uh, also in India, where I'm very close to leaders in India and France. Now, that was luck, but there's a point in time where you got to say, was that luck or was it destiny? Yeah. And I'm a little bit of a believer that destiny is often there if you watch for it and have the courage to go when it presents itself. Mathematically, if, if you're only in four areas and all four of them are the top four priorities they have is Virgin Hyperloop, mm -hmm. that, that's that's maybe one in a million, yeah. but mm -hmm. suddenly things break and we gave chances together. But no, far other people had a lot more to do with getting this together to West Virginia than I did. But we all did came together and each of us were comfortable playing the roles, much like Mountaineers do in football, uh, where the new coach, Neil Brown, has got the team playing well together or the basketball coach has them playing well together. Each of us played our role and, and we got a tremendous exciting outcome. Maybe we'll have to get a Sir Richard Branson here in West Virginia. I'd like to get, <laughs> go kayaking with him on the background here down the New River. I um, love that bridge. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I fished it many times with my dad's, not in a, a raft like they fish it today. I fished it in a canoe. And <laughs> unfortunately, I broke one canoe in half <laughs> but, uh, when I lined up wrong for the rapids. You catch your fish in the rapids. And yeah. I was casting with one hand, paddling with the other. And I misguided got it. And we had a side of a rock that's <laughs> like a toothpick. Uh, yeah, you're really pretty I have a scar on my leg from how I got ejected from the boat. We had a good fishing day, but we uh, lost, the <laughs> lost the boat. Hey, that's a good story. Then sounds like the sounds like the the Suez right now. <laughs> yeah, it does with the, one of the largest. I didn't even know they made cargo ships as big as the Empire State Building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But looks like they may have got it freed up today. I hope that they did. I did see that. Um, yeah. Now, and John, you know, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit because you know, so much of our audience is young. You know, like CJ and I are in our late late to mid 20s. So much of our audience is in that late 20s, early 30s. You know, they hear someone like yourself, a, a global CEO, a, a philanthropist, you know, a, a venture capitalist. Looking back when you left WVU, did you have a sense that you'd ever be coming back with, with a college named after you? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But what would what would you tell your younger self if you could tell that younger version of the kid that is, you know, just like us, that's coming out to the world thinking, man, can that really be me one day doing, you know, stuff at that type of scale? Um, 
I think it's several things. I was very fortunate. I came out of, of a family that was very grounded in dreams. And my dad not just, did not just do, uh, delivered 6,000 babies in the States, a number of them for free <laughs> and his way of giving back. But they instilled in our, our family the basic values and morals that I think are so important to our mm -hmm. state just do the right thing. Just, just treat people like you'd like to be treated yourself. When a person's car breaks down, help them uh, in mm -hmm, terms yeah. of the uh, opportunities. I was confident by the time I was getting through nine and a half years of college. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I love college and you didn't have any money. <laughs> Nobody else did either. So it was right. kind of fun on it that I could be successful in business. But I thought my most likely success would be coming back to West Virginia or that region mm -hmm. on it. And they just weren't the jobs when I graduated. That I ever dream of running the most valuable company in the world, at least for a period of time, or taking something from 70 million to 48 billion, no. I'd have been very happy running a small business in West Virginia. Uh, but I learned to dream a little bit. And uh, I, I believe we're a nation of dreamers and I actually worry coming off of COVID that we're not dreaming like we should again and that we're mm -hmm. too divisive. We should have one vision of our common future for West Virginia, which I think we've done well as a state and for our nation. And I think we need to heal the nation and bring us together to uh, improve the quality of lives for all of our, our citizens uh, mm -hmm. across the board. And so am I a dreamer? Oh, yeah. But do I make dreams come true? Yep. And I, am I competitive to a fault? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. And do I have any, uh, uh, any regrets about being that competitive? No, I do not. I mm -hmm. think the two equalizers in life, the internet and education. And if you do those right and you create the right environment, then it doesn't matter if you're Israel, France, West Virginia, Silicon Valley, Texas, uh, India, uh, et cetera. It's who executes the best and who has the courage to disrupt and disrupt themselves. You don't get to the level of success that you're at without making some difficult decisions along the way. I, I find that myself now in my you know mid-20s, when I'm po poised with or given a, a difficult choice, I'm not quite sure what's what's right and what's wrong. I find myself stuck at odds. Is, is this the morally right decision or is this the morally right decision? How do you, you know, where you have overseen so many companies how what do you have a checklist what what is it that kind of guides you and and yeah i i do now uh and uh i'm a believer uh obviously in capitalism mm -hmm. uh you're in creating ten thousand millionaires in cisco i mean that was exciting for our employees that's insane that's a great story. That's a million dollars to buy a house in Silicon Valley. It can't be <laughs> right. yeah. uh, And being, we won the top corporate social responsibility award from uh, President Bush and Condi Rice and from uh, President Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State on it. Uh, and so we did both the capitalistic job and great return for shareholders, but also great about balancing benefit to society as you go forward. What I work with all my startups on, and it's, I think, what we've alluded to in this conversation today, is the basic mission and vision and values you have as a company or as a state. And so I outline those. And if you do them right, it allows you to make every decision you hit, whether you're 28 years old or whether you're a senior. And I don't like the word senior, except it allowed me to get my vaccine shot. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, it starts with, if I were to outline, for example, uh, at, at my startups and at, at uh, Cisco, it's about making innovation happen. Uh, it's about just doing the right thing. It's about treating others with respect and as a family. Uh, it's about uh, building relationships with the customers and regardless of what the contract says, just do the right thing in terms of the approach. It's about having the courage to take risk and realize that you will make mistakes. Uh, and at, at Cisco, every I knew every illness of every employee, 75,000, their spouses, their kids, that was life-threatening. And I was there for them whenever they needed me, including on Christmas Eve, one whole evening on Christmas Eve. Unfortunately, the outcome was the young man passed away down in Florida. But I was there with his mother and his father trying to help uh, navigate through it. And we had many more successes than we did the setbacks on it. So I believe that if you set your culture right, your moral code, it makes every business decision should be obvious what you should do. Mm -hmm. And I think we tend to get away from that. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not lecturing at all. Uh, I, I try to do the same thing. I had two real challenges at Cisco. 
and I've never said it this bluntly, but I will today because of the question you asked me, to where before I went into the board meetings, I told my wife that there's at least a 50-50 chance I'll not have a job when I come home tomorrow. Wow. And one of them was on a business strategy that I felt very strongly about that I felt was wrong the way the board probably wanted to go and that I'd outlined the right way to go on acquisitions and acquire small and then scale uh, versus acquiring a peer of equal size, et cetera, on it, even though several of the board members, including my prior uh, CEO, and I was supposed to be CEO in the next six months, so they said, well, John, you can be CEO, but we want you to do it this way. And and I, I said, I, I respectfully think the way that you're approaching it will be wrong. And uh, uh, I feel so strongly about it that that I have to leave the company if we go that way. Wow. And they thought about changing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, all right, John, I'll see you. Grab the box. Oh, yeah, yeah I would have, you, you would have never heard of me. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, I brought my senior team in and they said they're leaving with me if we didn't do it. I got the board's attention, we did it. It turned out to be a tremendous success. And then there was another time when it was about an ethical issue on values. And, and I was being pushed to do something that I felt was not right ethically uh, on it. And uh, I told him I wasn't going to do it, even though it really upset several of the board members big time. And I thought I was maybe going to get fired there. Mm-hmm. You have to have your courage or your conviction. Mm-hmm. You have to just do the right thing. It's easy to say, and we all say, of course, it's really hard to do when there's huge pressure where you could you lose your job. You may not get reelected. Uh, when you, you know that some of your family may not have an income, and it's so easy to compromise your values at that time. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I intend to be perfect? <laughs> Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do I make mistakes? Of course I do. Uh, but you, you have to have that moral compass, and that comes back to values. And do I believe in a major capitalistic society, uh, in a conservative capitalistic society? Of course I do. But do I believe in equal benefit to society and they have to go hand in hand? Yes, I do. And if businesses don't change, society will change it for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And they'll have regulations, candidly, that will be not good to job creation or innovation. John, do you get um, you know frustrated by the divisiveness of where we feel like we're at a political landscape? Because it seems like you know business folks that are oftentimes you know maybe they have political views, but they're often just extremely pragmatic. They're like, well, whatever's the most reasonable, fair, ethical thing to do. Like, let's move forward and let's do it quickly. Does the like divisiveness of like the political landscape sometimes frustrate you as a business leader that sometimes things just are simply done because of just showmanship and politics, or, or how much of that is involved with with large scale projects and that sort of thing when you're thinking strategically about industries and and that sort of thing? So my parents trained me because they were doctors to deal with the world the way it is, not the way you wish it was. Yeah. You get an illness, it does you no good to wish you didn't have it. You have to deal with it in an effective way. Uh, Does it disappoint me? Of course. And let's use California as an example. Uh, There's almost quiet. Lucy, quiet. Lucy. That's a little bit of uh, uh, in, <laughs> uh, a little bit of in-house background going on. <laughs> a little natural sound. Dog. I usually have big labs that are uh, hunters on it. Give one second. Listen. Uh, so uh, uh, does it bother me that California is the Silicon Valley startup of the world and we're blowing it? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we've become a a state that just takes it for granted uh, that the jobs will stay here and you don't have to earn it and that we can regulate a, a business to death and we can impose taxes that are almost non-ending. And, and uh, uh, you know, when, when the companies left California, nobody even called the CEO to say, what would it have taken you to stay right. or what can we do to prevent it? So that entitlement issue is extremely frustrating and it's scary. What's up, my fellow West Virginians? Here's the second coffee break of the episode sponsored by Mountaineer Roasting Company. And look, guys, when you use code MEDIA15, 
media 15 that code gets you 15 percent off when you shop at mountaineerroasting.com they've got delicious coffee that's roasted in west virginia and you can select what type of grind you like and you can have it shipped right to your house so if you have whole beans drip grind french press whatever it may be go in there get their house coffee get the espresso have it shipped to your house you'll have delicious coffee the bag smells incredible before you even open it and uh, it's great stuff so shop on mountaineerroasting.com use code media 15 uh, but also, guys, look, mountaineermedia.org. That's our website. Now, we built that website to be a home base for everything. So we've got our merchandise on there. We've got a cool hat collection called the Cardinal Collection. And it's uh, our logo on the front with a nice little cardinal on the back. It's a nice denim hat. But we've also got T-shirts and a couple other fun stuff on there. So go to mountaineermedia.org and you'll find all of that. You can find updates on the latest episodes, uh, pictures. We also have a 12-person blog team. So these bloggers are writing incredible articles about their passions, interests, and hobbies around West Virginia. And they just simply uh, do amazing work. And we could not be more appreciative of their partnership um, for mountaineermedia.org and uh we just want to say thank you to them but check out their work and if you go on the website you can sign up for a newsletter that will have everything emailed to you twice a month we're not going to pester you um, or try to rope you into some package or deal we're simply going to give you two emails a month that updates you on episodes it gives you discount codes for our merchandise and maybe other uh, future merchandise and also just uh, updates on the blog and videos and whatnot that we're uh, putting out on our social media all in one convenient spot so sign up for that newsletter um, if you enjoy what we do here but uh, I will quit rambling I will get right back to the episode we'll finish this out with John Chambers and uh, we thank you so much shout out of course as always to Mr. B Mr. B is the presenting sponsor of the podcast and if you don't know who that is or what they do go Go in our episode, go to mountaineermedia.org and look up Mary Ann Kettleson. She's the CEO of an incredible West Virginia small business, the only chip manufactured in West Virginia. And we could not be more appreciative of their sponsorship of the entire uh, venture that we have. And that is Mr. B. So thank you to them. But let's get right back to the episode right now with John Chambers. Well, I mean, a lot of good points. Speaking of like just this remote world, West Virginia, it does seem like the last 18 months, you know, we realized like, hey, wait a second, like this pandemic disrupted, you know, the whole world, obviously, in many different ways. But it really felt like if we we seized the opportunity and, the, you know, more and more people we've spoken to, we, we've had, you know, we've had Senator Manchin, we've had um, Wes Bush from Northrop Grumman, you know, we've had leaders that are in the know about innovation it really does seem like west virginia took it and said wow this could be the opportunity maybe of a decade to capture some embracing remote work embracing young minds mm -hmm. moving here and i'm i'm that it's given me more optimism that the state is on at least on the right mindset track to move forward into this next decade embracing this new type of life and not trying to fight it and go back to like the old world that's probably not coming back i mean hopefully hopefully <laughs> we get back Duplin's to coming back yeah <laughs> We even just so, like it goes back to you know, we we have twenty five thousand miners mining more coal than one hundred twenty five thousand used to. Those jobs will not come back in volume. Right. Uh, but having the courage to change, and this is where uh, you focus on market transitions enabled by new technology, and that's what drives the economies of the future, the job creation of the future. To the point that you're making, some of the transitions are good, some are bad. The technology transitions enabled by Zoom or other forms of video capability, the transitions enabled by broadband and 5G in a unique way, the transitions about harder artificial intelligence, cybersecurity can suddenly create students out of our universities and high schools that can get jobs they couldn't have got before, and the ability to work remotely. And without the pandemic, with all of its terrible negative implications for a third of the families have lost somebody in their family to death because of the pandemic, it also caused us to innovate at a faster speed and everybody gets used to this working remotely. Mm -hmm. uh, the number three person uh, in Amazon uh, is uh, out here uh, in Hawaii, uh, hunkered down with his family here. He can work from here in a way that he never could have done before. Yeah. And it actually turned out to be pretty cool for the kids and the whole family in terms of the direction. So the market transitions occurred and new technologies enabled. And I don't think it's a chance of a decade. I think, unfortunately, it's a chance for the lifetime. Mm. I think we miss this in West Virginia. It will be very hard to pick it back up. It will probably be 
25 or 30 mm-hmm. years, you, you miss the window. Uh, the fact that we got knocked down hard and that we got up and understood a little bit, it was partially self-inflicted and partially a bigger market inflicted and the willingness to unite as a state and have the courage to dream and then get lucky on a couple of dreams coming true, whether it's West Virginia University, the business school there, rethinking about how do they really want to do this with Javier and being the dean and, and Gordon mm-hmm. dreaming on what's possible for the university or the governor dreaming about how can we change and create an environment where people want to come and live in our state and work here permanently, et cetera. Uh, it, is, it is a unique window, which I do not want to see us miss. Yeah. But I will echo, we're going to make some mistakes and, and the market has to know that. Uh, Silicon Valley, you're, you get a red badge of courage uh, as opposed to you know, a, a negative mark on your career forever when you get knocked down or you fail. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we've learned that lesson and we don't get knocked down twice. Otherwise, in the same way. Said. Will we get knocked down again? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, CJ, unfortunately, we will in this process, but we'll get back up quicker and we'll learn and we'll move on. And, and it's always three steps forward, one back. But my startups, they, I forgot what it was like. They have a problem every week. Every week. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're serious. And, and that's part of the nature of a startup economy and startup companies. Now, go ahead, Cooper. John, so, I mean, you're speaking about dreaming. You're making some, you know, West Virginia students' dreams come true with the Chambers Fellows. You know, I'm I'm fortunate to, um, you know, I know Javier well, and um, you know, I'm excited about the new building down there on the river in Morgantown. That's going to be hopefully an economic engine and for the entire state and be a thought, you know, a, a think tank for for many great ideas. But you're working with with Chambers Fellows, and that is to what is that to relieve the financial burden and provide? Is it mentorship or is it entrepreneur or what exactly is the angle with that? Well, it's several things. I used to do, my wife, Elaine, who's from Stonewall, like you guys were, and I was from Charleston High, Capitol High, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, on it. We all always wanted to give back, and our parents and our families taught us that, but we almost always did it anonymously. And that's how I intended to give the university, except Gordon and Javier said, John, we've got to have role models. And Canley, let's be very direct. We want your brand mm-hmm. uh, associated with it. And so it goes back to both doing what's right for society, change, having the courage to dream about really changing the world. I don't mean incremental change. Right. I mean really changing it and then making sure it's inclusive of all of us. And the Chambers Fellows are aimed at getting uh, about 10, 10 students, two or three per year at a time going through the university uh, for the scholarship full load uh, that can be examples of entrepreneurs and engineers and computer sciences and uh uh, startup uh, capabilities uh, on it. And it's one that I require diversity in, uh, mm-hmm. both in terms of gender and color of skin, but I want the best and the brightest, period. And mm-hmm. so I want a good mixture. So leading just by example on how do you do that, I think was very, very key and, and what I very much wanted to do with the Chambers Fellows there in the, the business and computer science and engineering mm-hmm. school. I got to say, when you were at Charleston High, there were some good basketball teams. I think Lou Romano was the head coach back then, right? The- well, I just remember the five players uh, who were the best, and I think all five of them went to West Virginia University on scholarship. Yeah, they did. So <laughs> yeah. They literally played above the rim before people understood what above the rim meant. There were some good- I also had the unique opportunity to watch Gary West uh, yep. a couple times. And, in and probably Hot Rod, too. I mean, yeah. did you know Hot Rod? Yeah, 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 yeah. But Jerry's out here on the West Coast, and I've met him a couple of times, and clearly a, a legend. He he not only was a tremendous athlete, he was an amazing business person who built programs out here. Mm-hmm. And he, he literally built the Lakers into what they became. And and then uh, also on the Warriors had a huge amount to do with, with how did we change our, our view on it and, yeah. and fun to watch. Yeah. We, need to get, we need to get Jerry on the podcast. I know. that's to... Yeah, we haven't had him yet. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, let me ask you this, John. I guess flat out the question is, why why West Virginia? Why, why is it that you still find this attachment to this state? You, you're in Hawaii now. You, you've been all over the world. I mean, what, what about this place is it that still has you attached? And why do you feel the need to continue to give back to the state and, and ultimately help it grow? Well, there's, there's something special about the state that's hard to explain to others. And we alluded to it before. Uh, you know, I had before me three generations in front of me go to West Virginia University. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I was honored to go as well as my wife. 
Uh, there's something about growing up in the state where people really care about each other. And while we do argue, and I think it's healthy to have disagreements, both political and, and strategy and business-wise, as a whole, most of the time we come back to, let's just get it done, to your question about business leaders. Mm-hmm. Business leaders will say, let's argue about, is there the best solution? But they'll eventually say, let's just get it done and move on. And that's so important because the worst decision you make is no decision. Right. Uh, yeah. Things uh, hung on it. But there's something that is magical, whether it's catching the image of the state and the beauty and the kindness of the people with you know, in country roads and almost heaven, because it is almost heaven, mm-hmm. uh, that is very unique. And, and we have, uh, let me do it for seven, nine kids from my two sisters, Patty and Cindy and, and their husbands and, and Elena, my kids. And uh, then we have, I've lost track of the number of grandkids, let's say 15 or 16, but all of them love West Virginia and none of them live in the state. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. West Virginia play sports, they're in the West Virginia garb and we go to the bowl games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So there's something unique. I, I think everybody roots for the underdog as long as the underdog are basically good people with good values. And everybody wants a role model. They mm-hmm. know our, our country's in trouble. You don't need to explain that to people. You don't need to explain we're leaving behind the middle of the country in the southeast part of the country. And for just three or four states really having the majority of the economic growth. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they want an underdog to win the tournament. And then they want others to model their style of play after the underdog. Mm-hmm. So it's the combination of the above. And it, it's big enough that it's really relevant, but it's small enough that we can move quickly to make a change where the community wants to come together to do it. That's so important too. Like you said, you know, you see folks from the outside root for an underdog, but also it's important for West Virginians to, you know, so Javier and uh, Gordon Gee maybe wanted you to to really embrace the, the face of it because it's important to see someone come from here and then also go ahead and do it. It's, it it yes. really, it reinstills that it's imp- it's possible, right? I yep. mean, and we get inspired. I say it every time by the guests that we have on the podcast. Every week. Um, because <laughs> because they, they say very similar things. So, um, you know, Look, John, look, we appreciate your perspective, your expertise, your philanthropy for the state, but also just your relentless you know, optimism that, hey, why not us? We can do it. And it's let's just charge forward. So thank you. Thank you so much again for, for joining here on the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Cooper, it was a pleasure. CJ, it was a lot of fun. Your questions were excellent. Go West Virginia. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoyed that episode with Mr. Chambers there. Very fascinating conversation. If you couldn't tell from like the get-go, very fast-paced. He's very singular focused on one topic. There was a point in time where I had kind of rattled off like uh, just a a statement more or less and had a question or two in there. And he said, I'm going to answer these in sequence. One, two, three, four. And that just goes to show you how, you know, much of an intellectual he is, but what it takes to become somebody like John Chambers, be able to break down, quickly break down information and respond to those several points, you know, within a given statement. And he did just that. And it's very clear that John Chambers is a wonderful businessman, but certainly a wonderful uh, West Virginian as well. And we're glad to have had him on. And hopefully you guys all enjoyed that episode as well. Make sure to stick with us right here on the Mountaineer Media Podcast. See you guys. (music) 